Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Do you know that sometimes because we're so critical and we're always looking to condemn people? Do you know that very often it's been proven, the things I see wrong with you are my same problem. I just want somebody else to have it so I don't have to think about my problem. Well, look at the way they are. And I'm the one that has exactly the same problem. Love covers, amen, a multitude of sins. We see it all around us, people that are really mad about someone else's shortcomings, but oblivious to the exact same problem in their own lives. Jesus told us that we need to take the two-by-four out of our own eye before we try to get the splinter out of our friend's eye. Pastor Mark is teaching on the necessity of forgiveness in the life of the Christ follower. Our example of extending grace to our brother will help demonstrate to the unsaved world what God's love really is all about. Without seeing the radical, transforming power of God in our lives, the lost will remain lost. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in 1 Peter chapter 4 with part two of his message, a lifestyle that's radically different. Peter says he knew these unbelievers that he is writing to. He knew them as unbelievers and he shared the gospel with them and they became believers. But many of these people he knew had now died physically. Notice, they're dead. But they're in heaven. Their spirit was alive. By the time he wrote this letter, they had already physically died, but because he shared the gospel with them, they didn't spend eternity separated from God in hell, but with God alive in heaven. That's why we still have to share the word of God with unbelievers. Try to have some relationships with unbelievers because we are the salt and light there. Now, understand this. If you get this, it will help you to have a passion to share the lost. Here's what I want you to see. The only way to get to heaven is to become a Christ follower before you die. And there's a big, huge part of that that we have to understand. The world is confused with that. Reincarnation, death is just death. I'm just in the ground. It's over with. Or I'll work myself into purgatory and I'll get myself up to heaven because people are going to be praying for me. No, sorry. None of those are right. They're 100% wrong. And then Peter talks about it. Look at verse 7. The end 
of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. What Peter is saying is the end of all things is near. Now, there's lots of applications to that. I'll give you three. You'll see them in a moment. The first one could be this. The end of all things includes our death. So think about death. Where are you going to spend eternity when you die? Nobody here is going to email me this week and say, Pastor Mark, I don't believe I'm going to die. Yeah, right. Nobody is going to email me that because we're all going to die. Now, did you know that 6,775 people die every single day in the United States? 7,000 people. This is just the United States. They're going to die today. I actually read an article earlier this morning when I got up. Remember the crazy thing that happened in Las Vegas? All those people got shot and murdered. Well, a couple were there and they escaped it. They were part of it. Bullets flying over their heads. They got out. And just this last four or five days or whatever, this couple lived in another part of Nevada and uh, she was home and her husband was walking the road and somebody hit him, killed him and just drove off. See, see, they're thinking, whoa, we got it. We're free. And days later, boom, gone. How about Egypt the last two days? More than 300 Muslims murdered by other Muslims because they're a different cult. Do you think any of them got up that morning as they went to church and went, oh, this is going to be a great day. This is my last day. None of them thought that. You see, you don't know. I don't know when I'm going to die. So that particular thing, the end of all things is near, should make us stop and think. Notice. Be alert. You're going to die. Where are you going to spend eternity? Second is, of course, this phase really means the second coming of Jesus Christ. You know, this world is going to end. The world as we know it. Now, I'm giving every one of you a placard to go out of the streets. The end is coming. Everyone. Calvary Chapel of Melbourne. Don't kid yourself. How stupid is that? Now, you have to grow a beard, by the way, to do that. (laughs) Ladies, same problem. Okay, now. But is the second coming of Jesus coming? So there's three things that are going to happen to us. One of these will happen. Either you're going to die, or the rapture's coming, or the second coming of Jesus Christ. All of those are going to happen. Now, I don't know which one I'll experience. Many of us. Paul and Peter and the New Testament people, they thought the coming, the second coming of Jesus was imminent. It's going to happen any day. It's going to happen any day. I just read you James, the half-brother of Jesus. Look, look what he writes. You too, James 5, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Well, Pastor Mark, that was 2,000 years ago. Why do we keep talking about the Lord's coming? Because he's coming. You see, here's the problem. God's timing is not our timing. When you get to heaven, there is no time. We're outside of time. This is great because you'll never be late for another church service in your life. (laughs) Praise God. That makes pastors so excited. Although we won't have church, we're just going to be around God all the time. Amen. Well, here you heard this verse. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord. And a thousand years is like a day. You see, God is timeless. But from man's viewpoint, 
Christ coming seems like it's a long way off. 2,000 years, Pastor Mark, 2,000 years. But from God's viewpoint, one day is very soon. See, his timing is different. I don't know when he's coming, but he is coming back. I don't know when I'll die, but unless there's a rapture, I'm going to die and you are too. You don't know when, I don't know when, but it's coming. So how should I live? Well, that's exactly what Peter was saying. To prepare his readers to meet the Lord soon, he says they have to use the best part of their time. Don't waste time. Be alert. Remember. Guaranteed. Remember to be alert and be praying. Here's what I want you to write. Live different since the end is near. Be watchful. Be understanding about that. Pray for our walk and for our witness. Because our neighbors, our friends, our relatives, they have the same three options we do. They're either going to die, or they're going to be raptured, or they're going to be here when the second coming comes. Now, the issue is, where will they then spend eternity? So that's why we have to watch our walk. I don't want to be, like I said a minute ago, playing over here and sin, and then on the weekend, I'm in church, everything's fine. I, I don't want to be in sin when the rapture comes. And God says, well, what are you doing? Well, I've been wasting my time in my old habits. No, I want to be ready. And I want to be ready to share that with my friends. Now, what can I do? One of those prayers would be for God to open doors to unbelievers. And as we get to the holiday times and Christmas This is a great time to invite people to the Christmas services, to the Christmas Eve. As we start a new year, the church for the first month, six weeks, eight weeks is jammed. All churches are just jammed. Everybody's getting for a new start. But then you come about March or April and they're gone off to it. See, there was never a real change inside. Now, as we pray, we know that God loves the world. That's why he sent Jesus for everybody. Then he talks about how I'm to treat believers. Look at verse 8. Above all, love each other deeply. Now this is very interesting. Because love covers a multitude of sins. Peter reminds us that loving other believers has to be a priority. And he mentions that love covers a multitude of sins. You see, love doesn't look for, and it doesn't stir up other people's sins. If I really love someone, I can overlook some things, because we're all human. But I think you have to understand this. Sometimes people, well, they're kind of like this. I call them sin sniffers. You say, Pastor Mark, that's totally ridiculous. Who were the sin sniffers in Jesus' day? The religious Jewish people. When he walked into Matthew's house and the Jewish people were outside, they said, what are you doing in there with sinners? When Jesus' disciples were not fasting, but the Jewish people fasted all the time. The Jewish leaders got around, the disciples went, Why aren't you fasting? 
Now, we laugh at that. I'm so glad that we don't have a church when you walk by. (laughs) They can come in. The rest of the people go out. It's our TSA at the doors of the church. (laughs) By the way, how many of us would get in if we say we never sin? None of us. Love covers a multitude of sins. Now, that doesn't mean we overlook it. But let me challenge you with something. Do you know that sometimes because we're so critical and we're always looking to condemn people? Do you know that very often it's been proven the things I see wrong with you are my same problem. I just want somebody else to have it so I don't have to think about my problem. Well, look at the way they are. And I'm the one that has exactly the same problem. Love covers, amen, a multitude of sins. Now, if somebody's really hurting, you might go to them as a Christian friend and say, well, how can I help you? I see some things aren't going right. Notice, you want to be treated like other people treat you? No, I want to be treated like Jesus taught me. Look at this. You've seen it. I'm going to read it very fast. Love is patient. It's kind. Doesn't envy. Doesn't boast. Not proud, not rude, self-seeking, not easily angered. Here's a big one. I underlined it. Doesn't keep records of wrong. I can cover that sin. It's all taken care of. I didn't even say anything to him. It wasn't a big deal. It hurt me, but it's over with. Can I hear an amen? And we just move on because that's the way I want to be treated as well. Here it is. Love does not delight in evil. Mm Mm-hmm. No sin sniffers, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, trusts, hopes, perseveres. That's what he says. As we get to the end, well, where can I do that best? Where can I love one another? Look at verse nine. Offer hospitality to one another, talking about believers among believers, without grumbling. Now that word hospitality is different. In the original language, it means strangers. It means foreigners. It's different for us today. In the New Testament times, there were no cars, there were no trains, there was no modes of transportation other than maybe an animal, but most people walked. So if you went from one city to another, you walked. There were no hotels, there's no Motel 6, there was no lights on, they just walked. And how are you going to get some food? Where are you going to stay that's safe? Well, people just took people in. We would not do that today because you'd probably be dead before you got up the next morning. But in those days, they just welcomed them in. Strangers, people from all over. Today, it's a different kind of a meeting. I'm still supposed to be open my heart, my home to hospitality. I read a book maybe 30 years ago. Here's what the book said. Open heart, open home. If I open my heart, my home is open. And not just to anybody that walks by, but friends, come on over. Let's hang out together. Let's do whatever. And that's where we are supposed to be hospitable. Where does that happen in the church? Well, it happens in small groups. It happens in life groups. It happens in Bible studies here at the church. Hospitality draws people together. 
Instead of us just doing our life, going home, going into our gated community, get in, open the garage door, put the car in, close the garage door, go to the backyard, fenced in yard, nobody can see me, and I do life there. That's not the way life is to be lived. You can't one another people that way. We are to have open houses, and that hospitality allows us to happen. See, here's what I've discovered over these last years. I've discovered that life change happens while I'm teaching. In every one of our services, we've had all kinds of people get saved this weekend. Well, that's not about me. His word's alive. There's change happening in your heart right now. Guaranteed this week, and that's something's really difficult in your life. You never even mentioned the word heaven. But we're going to sing about heaven at the end. Because that's where our home is. Can I hear an Amen. But that you normally don't think about that. But see, I'm going to mention, so you're going to think about it. Spiritual change happens in the church. Absolutely. Number two, spiritual change happens when you open the Bible in your quiet time. It happens. But you know where most spiritual change really happens? It's in a small group. You see, in a small group, as people study God's word together, they discuss the issues and the challenges of life. And pretty soon... You didn't know these people, but you discovered they're just like you. Hello. We're all the same. If I was in that small group and I would share, because I share often from the pulpit, I'm just as weak as you are in certain things and just like you are. So nobody's embarrassed. We just pray. We eat together. We care for one another. And we can continue to change. And those things that Peter just said that we're to do, That's where it happens best. So just kind of get in your idea. A couple times a month, you're going to go to a small group or a weekly to a small study, whatever. Now, here's number four. Write it down. Live different versus an unbeliever. How do I do that? I love. I forgive. Love covers a multitude of sins. I love, I forgive, and I open my home to one another. Which really means you're just opening yourself. You're real. We come and encourage one another. Now, how does that work? How did God make sure that we could do that as a big family? Well, look at verse 10. The first three words in verse 10 are this. Let's read them together. Each of you. Each of you. How many each of you does that apply to in their services here? Every single person. Now, this is only for believers. If you're an unbeliever, you'll be one by the end of the service. Praise the Lord. But this is for believers. Every believer, and I'll just summarize it and we'll read it together, has a gift from God to serve others. Every single believer has a gift A God-given gift to serve others. Let's read it. Each of you should use whatever gift. This is not your natural temper. Well, I'm a painter. I can paint. No, this is a spiritual gift. Each of you should use whatever gift you've received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Most people have one gift. That's strong, and then maybe one or two other gifts. Now, I don't have time this morning. You can get online. I spent months, many years ago, going through all the gifts. You find the gifts of God, 
in Romans chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 are the minister gifts, pastors, teachers, prophets, those kind of things. And then Peter's going to give us two gifts. But you find most of those in all of those chapters. Now, I'm going to show you in a moment the motivational gifts. Guaranteed, you have one of these gifts. They motivate us to do the will of God. And we do it to serve others. We don't do it for ourselves. We do it to serve others. See, we're not to do life by ourselves. So I can use my gift. You can use your gift to encourage one another and help one another out. So let's take a look. And I just use the New Living Translation because it's easier for us to understand. Here it is. Now, remember, every Christian has one. So kind of think where you're going and see what you think fits you. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things mediocre. No, you'll see why later, because I'm going to be judged how I use my gift. I will definitely be judged if I don't use my gift. See, I'm a steward of these gifts. Now, you can't say, Pastor Mark, I didn't receive a gift. Uh, No, you just read it. You said you have a gift. So this is all of this. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, that's basically speaking forth God's word. That's one of the things I do. Your testimony can be that way. But that's one of the things that I do. If God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. Now, you can just write this down. Every Christian has a gift of serving. Every single Christian. Pastor Mark, I like to be served by other people. Well, I do too. But sorry, sorry, you are to serve others. Well, where do you get that? Well, his name was Jesus. And you remember what he said one day? I didn't come to be served. I came to serve others. So I'm a servant. You're a servant. We're all servants. And it's not about us. It's a God-given grace gift. You can't say... I have the gift of a pastor teacher. (laughs) Look at the people I'm using. No, it's a God-given gift. I didn't earn it. He just gave it to you. My gifts are basically encouraging. You might not believe it. Encouraging. (laughs) Teaching the word of God and leadership. And you'll have a mix of gifts. Here we go. If you are a teacher, teach well. Of course, everything you see there is with excellence. Let's move on. If your gift is to encourage others, be an encouraging. How many of you like to have somebody come up and encourage you? Let me hear. Come on. You liked it. You just had that dinner and somebody went, wow, that was the greatest pie I ever ate. And you're not going to say, well, I bought it at Publix. You just go right on like that. You know, the dough I was working on. Yeah, right. All right, here we go. If the gift is giving, give as little as you can. No, what did we learn with financial peace? If I'm generous with God, he's what? He's generous with me. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. Because you're a person of influence. Today, Pastor Mark taught about how those who claim to follow Christ should act more like Christ when interacting with their fellow believers. We were told about how living in a more loving way toward our brothers and sisters is a witness to the world about God's love toward them. 
we were reminded that our main job here on earth is to make God look good. You don't have to wait to hear another message from Lessons for Living. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com to access our archive of messages on various topics and books of the Bible. Subscribe to our podcast as well to receive updated teachings as soon as they're made available. We're so glad you joined us today and we'd love to connect with you. Feel free to contact us with your questions and prayer requests at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Next time, we'll continue with Pastor Mark's teaching, A Lifestyle That's Radically Different. He will instruct us further in how we Christians should behave towards each other. He'll discuss the fact that God has given all of us gifts to be used to strengthen the body of Christ and that we need to discover our gift and then get to using it in our local assemblies. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through this series, Living Life with Living Hope. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.